Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And we uh, are fresh back with a returning guest for end of the show because we uh, we're lucky enough to have our schedules work out. Retired Major Joe Patterson. How are you, Joe? I'm good. Happy birthday to the Marines. Happy Veterans Day to all of you out there. Yeah, I was just about to to mention that Absolutely. this is being recorded uh, the day after the Marine Corps birthday. And the day of Veterans Day 2022. And I'm surprised you guys are uh, not completely hung over. So <laughs> funny story. So my wife deserves a night out, right? She's in a night out with her friends, little girlfriends or whatever. And one of her friends decided to plan some shit. It was, I knew this about three weeks ago. And she's like, hey, do you care if I go with the girls? It's like, no. I was like, what day is it? And she's like, oh, it's, it's like a thursday or thursday yeah yeah thursday and i was like oh what what day she's like oh november i was like okay cool didn't think nothing of it because it was right. like october and then it's can coming up close i'm like so what day is it and she's like oh it's november 10th and i was like do you know what fucking day that is she's like no and i was like you fucking better <laughs> you were That's so Marine Corps birthday <laughs> and she's like oh i was like yeah i was like i didn't know you served i didn't know you're marine and you're gonna go out and like hang out with your girls and have some drinks that's cool. So I, I, I fucked with it a little bit, but I was like, I don't care. I sat home with the kids, had a drink last night, you know, hadn't, I hadn't, I made a rule, no whiskey in bed last night, whiskey <laughs> no in whiskey bed. In I was bed. like, I'm fucking breaking it. Yeah. Cause I ended up drinking too way too much. I ended up going back <laughs> seconds, thirds, fourths, drinking the bottle, but yeah, no. So she got to enjoy the Marine Corps birthday, but she came home early, saved me from the well, child. She wasn't a Marine. So. No, she but she saved me from the the infant baby, uh, three month old that didn't want to go down to sleep and didn't want to let me eat my dinner, and I ate at like nine o'clock, nine thirty at night. But yeah, it was, it was a good Marine Corps birthday. Yeah, it was great. I stayed up to like two a.m. <laughs> with the shits. So I was still up late, and I was still hung around a toilet. Just it was coming out of my asshole, just not my mouth. You know what I mean? So. So, hoorah, dude. This is gentleman Chuck. Fuck me. <laughs> how about you, Joe? How was your Marine Corps birthday? I was good. I worked. You know, that's how it goes. <laughs> All right. I, have, I have no whiskey in bed stories. No. <laughs> you know what? I don't think I've ever had. Not only have I never had uh, any, a whiskey in bed story. I don't know that I've ever imagined having to tell myself that no whiskey in bed was a rule that I was then going to break. <laughs> oh, I have a fucking problem. That's why <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I have a fucking drinking problem and it gets bad. And if I don't drink in bed, I'm golden. No wine, no beer, no liquor, definitely no liquor in bed and only have liquor every once in a while. Try to just, if I'm, you know, have a drink, It'll just be a beer, or if I go out, I'll let them make me move some mixed cocktail because it's weak as shit and tastes like water. So, okay, <laughs> all right. So, Joe, we have you back. Uh, it's it's Veterans Day um, when we're recording this, and uh, we wanted to talk a little bit. I think about um, the veterans and the. I got really. It's one of those things that I get very passionate about when it gets brought up but we want to talk about the withdrawal in afghanistan and uh and, and some of your 
thoughts um, about that. And I know we've discussed it on the show before, but that's, uh, you know, after discussing it last time, we thought for Veterans Day, that would be a good kind of way to start the episode. So um, what is what is amazing to me is that we don't have here we are um, less than, you know, less than a couple years later. And we I don't see the outrage continuing to be like, why are we not holding people accountable? So take me back to when this all went down and you're watching it. What are you thinking is going on? Talk, talk to me about like how you feel or how you were feeling as a, as a major, a man who led troops to see them, I guess, treated in this way. Yeah, it was, uh, well, we could really, uh, I mean, pick your analogy. We could go down a rabbit hole. We could peel the layers of the onion back. Um, mm-hmm. um, I can, t- I, so I think I'll, I'll canvas and start by saying, uh, you know, my opinions are my own. Um, I don't speak for anyone else. I wasn't there. Um, and I really don't really, my, my thought opinions don't circulate around the actions that occurred on the ground they occur with the decisions that were made that led us to the actions on the ground. So um, I I think just to start, like the first thing I did was um, cuss a lot and um, hate a lot. Uh, There was, there was a period where um, I was embarrassed to be an American. There was a period where, I thought about moving out of this country. There was a period where I wanted to motivate people uh, to speak out and be vocal against what um, the, the, the thing that I was seeing. And then, then I realized like, you know, like there's a lot, I mean, we can, we can dissect this a lot. So it was like, because I wasn't there, I was exposed only to what information was being shown to all of us on the media, right? Like we only know, uh, we're only as educated as the best journalism, you know what I mean? Right, and, uh, right. and we're privy to being, uh, manipulated by narratives that exist on, you know, with, within the, the news media, whether, you know, you like those narratives or not, like you, you, we have to be very careful about being manipulated. Um, but I can say this, like the, I was disgusted. Uh, I'm still disgusted. I'm having a difficult time processing it still. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me. And I'll, I'll just say me. I, I do know uh, a lot of guys and gals uh, who served who feel the same way, but I'll only speak for me. I, um, I feel betrayed. I feel um upset, bothered, disgusted, um, motivated because I feel like, and I haven't been able to shape this. And I I think because I'm among you guys and your listeners, you probably can um, relate in some way, shape or form with, I feel morally wounded. I was sent to a, to a place to do the big nation and I took life and after you you take life and you look back on it at years to come, you want to know like 
it was well, you for, didn't meant something it meant it was for a reason like it, like taking life sucks like i like yeah. like at the moment it doesn't suck right like but when you look back start to age a little and you have the you know the luxury of time and hindsight because you survived something like that you look back and you're like you start to realize like okay these were human beings that were participating in a you know a conflict in which they felt morally obligated to participate in and so like when you're fighting you don't you don't really you dehumanize uh at least in the military you dehumanize the enemy right like they're not human they're evil um but when it comes down to it like if someone invaded this country um, or occupied this country or came over to this country to tell me how to live, uh, I would probably pick up arms against them also. And so like, as I start processing, like, wow, you know, like how many, how many orphans did I make? And how many, like, what about those aside from those thoughts? Like the, there's a, there's a fantastic picture that I just, I adore it. Um, It was taken when I was sitting down with a, a village elder, and his, he has his like five-year-old son in his lap and there's Afghan soldiers standing around. I've got my interpreter, I've got my helmet off. And we're like, we're brokering a deal. We're in that deal. It was basically like, he is telling me he is going to keep the Taliban out of his area. And that in the Pashtun culture, like when they give you a promise, um, they will stick to it. And they right. did. Um, right. They, and for those of you who don't understand Pashtun culture, that's the lone survivor culture. That's the, we will take you in at the expense of even our own lives because we promised we would it's it's very yeah that's pashtun it's it's don't you you have to think of of afghanistan like you think of any other country and any other people there are subcultures within a group of people and some of them have traditions that go back uh further than the united states yeah i imagine that the Pashtun culture is like the Marines of the tribes in Afghanistan, right? Like they are it's like my word is my bond. Yeah. They're extremely yeah. brave. They're loyal. Um, and you know, like if I had to pick a group of people that I would be fighting, that would be who I would pick because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to go to the Super Bowl and like, I mean, win 50 to nothing, you know, like you want a good, good game. But, uh, that all that said, like there was, you know, like I, here I am telling, like I've won these people over my, well, I haven't won these people, my Marines and their actions and our example and the things that we offered were winning these people over in the most violent place in Afghanistan in Sangin of 2010. And um, they decided that they would, uh, they wanted to fight for their own freedom, right? So like, and the question that they asked, and I'll never forget this was like, you know, how long will I be there for? Right. And I was like, well, I'll be leaving in seven months, but the guy that will come in after me will carry the same, you know, promise to you and your people and all these things. So basically, long story short is like, you know, we we told them something and they. Those things that we were telling them were coming from, you know, our strategy and our orders from our higher people who told us to tell them these things. And I do believe that the people telling me to tell the, you know, the people that uh, believe that at the time, it's 2010, like that, that is accurate, right? Like, and so as soon as I heard about the Taliban taking back over Afghanistan and us talking about with, you know, like we are withdrawing tomorrow kind of stuff, like that was my first thought was these poor bastards. Like, and I happen to know that, um, 
a lot of a, a lot of them didn't survive uh, after we left first foremost, but then after you know the withdrawal, like those people who decided that they wanted to uh, pursue freedom, they, they you know that idea didn't make it right, and so like we didn't keep a promise, and and so then I go back to like moral injuries you know like uh we killed a lot of people and we told a lot of people a lot of lies and not knowing they were lies but they turned out to be lies and it's just a sad situation and and it makes me think like uh and i know i'm talking a lot here but i'll I'll, this is this is something that sits with me every day is like you know when when i die one day and i go to see my maker um was i a murderer you know what i mean like right because my country told me to go do it and it was the right and just thing to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, Roger that. I go and execute those orders. But was it the moral right thing to do? You know, like, um, and, you well, know, the people, the people we killed were, we were defending ourselves, but we were defending ourselves because we were put into a place where we had to defend ourselves because we were sent to a place where people are going to try to kill you for being there. Right. right. What but, is the greater good? Yeah. And it's right? like, it hurts. And I mean, I can, I can go down a bunch of a number of other issues, but I think that's the big to me. It's like, uh, I, you know, the Marines that I lost, um, the guys and gals that are out there today, uh, who don't have legs and arms, um, who are suffering from mental health issues from wounds that you can't see, um, the ones who are killed. What about the mother of Irvin Sinaceros who gave his life, uh, protecting us, for what, you know, right. like for, right. for what? And and I don't have an answer for that or what, like, yeah, you know, we, we didn't fight for the cause. We fought for the man and man and woman that's beside you. You know, your, your shield is in your left arm because it's going to protect the person to your left. Like got it. But the truth of the matter is we did that, but we were sent there. You know what I mean? Like, had I never been sent there, right. had we never been sent there? And I'm not trying to that the courage and the, and the, and the, just the great things that the American man and woman military service member brought to the fight and over there. And and the examples that were set were good and they should not, I'm not trying to piss on those. What I'm have a huge problem with is the leadership decisions um, that were made. Um, And I don't, and just to be clear, like, I don't think we should have stayed in Afghanistan forever. I I also feel like maybe we probably shouldn't have been there as long as we were in the first place. Um, what was the mission? Don't really know Mm -hmm. my Mm -hmm. mission, but how did that fit into a grand overall strategy? Don't really know that. Yeah. The, 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 you know, not the, why am I here as in your house? The, why am I here as in life? Right. Like it's, there's the, why am I, why am I on this, you know, battlefield? Well, I am on this battlefield to take that objective, but in the, you're talking about the grander sense of why am I in this country to begin with? Yeah. I can only. I think it, it? For, well, yeah, for me, I, f- I feel like when you talk about your objective and what you accomplish, you know, those are two different things. One is what you tried to accomplish. The other one is what you actually did. Right. And sometimes when you you're sent there with the term, we throw the term good faith around, you're sent there in good faith. You believe that the people sending you are acting in good faith and that you're then going forward and doing those things with the understanding that they are not lying to you and that they will keep their word to everybody they make it to. And then when they don't, it does seem to alter 
that outcome of man i i was was i a stormtrooper was i on the road you know you start to question these things like like who was i working for yeah when they don't keep their promises because you expected so then i feel like the difference becomes was was it sacrifice right was all were all these lives lost a sacrifice and a sacrifice is something done for the greater good but if there was no greater good then it was just slaughter because if if nothing comes out of a bunch of people dying it's just the atrocity of a bunch of people dying but if something good can come out of it then it makes it it elevates it to a sacrifice and that i think I were to guess would be where the bad taste in hindsight, like you were fine with it then, but now it's like, mm, you kind of, you kind of, you ruined it. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, like I love, I, I think we've actually talked about it before that was I on the, was I on the side of the stormtrooper or was I on the, you know, like, cause when you watch star Wars, mm-hmm. the, like you, right. You're, right. you're kind of with the empire and you don't know it, but anyway, that's some super nerdery. Um, right. I, I can think, I can only imagine those feelings that you have are stronger because you look at a, a country as, as ours, it's so easy for them to give up Afghanistan. Like why were we there in the first place? Why was it so easy for you to give up? And I could only imagine those feelings are so much stronger after that happened because you're like, what the fuck was the purpose of us being there then if you're just gonna give it up so easily and leave everything there? So what was the point? Why were we there? I can only imagine those feelings are so much, so much more now and they're amplified because, you know, you look at, you look at Iraq, we're still there and you're like, oh, we're there because of oil. That's why we still hold a base there most likely. Um, but you, you look at over here and you're like, okay, well, weapons of mass destruction. This is the reason why we came to Afghanistan. You know, we're trying to, there was, there was 9-11 happened. We answered to that. And then we moved into Afghanistan because we're following Intel. We're following this, we're following that. These are where, you know, cells are, and these were terrorists are, and we're trying to fight right, you have two evil, different things. You have Iraq for right? WMDs and you have Afghanistan for terrorists and, and Al Qaeda cells yeah. and, and Osama bin Laden and people conflate the two. Like they're, they're very different reasonings, but it's yeah, so easy for them to give up, you know? Yeah. I can imagine. Was like, Afghanistan was the Taliban government, right? Like the, right. They were harboring and training, and like it was basically a place where you could go to like get a degree in terrorism. Right. Um, right. We overthrew the Taliban. Oh, yeah. Pause. Press play. Yeah, we Taliban. Like Afghanistan was just the breeding ground for. It's like where you go to get a degree in terrorism. Um, I think is what I was talking about, and. Um, we went there and, uh, we toppled them quickly. Um, they, they fled and then we shifted to Iraq and then back to Afghanistan. And when we went back to Afghanistan, you know, like this is Joe's opinion, right? But like, here's some questions. Like we, we, we wanted to invest a bunch of money to bring people electricity who had never had electricity before because Western thought says they should have electricity that they'd be miserable without electricity. Right. Right. So we build electrical plants and we put all these people to work and we spend all this taxpayer money to bring them electricity. No one ever asked the question, you guys want it? You know? Right. Um, and And the answer is no, we're fine without you. And so when we turn over the electrical plant to 
the Afghan people are like, we didn't want it in the first place. We're not going to work it there. So that's gone now. Um, but it goes back to like, I mean, keeping it at the tactical level for me was I was responsible for, you know, 137 people, humans. Um, I was also responsible for four villages um, and, a, and a market area. And those ultimately in the time that I was where I was, uh, we accomplished our mission and we got the people to um, invest in their own future and stop growing poppy and grow corn and wheat and things right. you can eat, right? Like we did all these things. And now I'm looking back and like, all oh, that was for Jack and shit because uh, they, that, that town that I was in was overtaken by the Taliban as soon as we pulled out of um, that area well before the withdrawal a year ago. So like right, that right. town, that, that, that area toppled, <clears throat> you know, as soon as uh, American military left it. And so that was like, this is where I start getting really pissed off because there were signs that this would happen years ago. Right. And so like right. make preparations for like, Hey, we are going to leave. Right. Like, but the thing that bothers me was, um, aside from us not keeping our promise, like I know, cause I know, uh, several, um, Afghans who, who are got out. Um, they're not happy. They're more pissed off than I am. Like that's, that's their country. Right. They, they like more people than not wanted what they had. And then when the Taliban took back over, they went back, you know, 20 years to what right. they didn't want. And so it brings up the question, why didn't they fight, right? Like, why didn't they fight back? And what bothers me the most was every report I ever sent when I was there was that our Afghan soldiers were not ready. Like, they're not good. Right. They need more training. They need this. They need that. Um, to find out later that those reports that I sent were manipulated somewhere up the chain and said they, that they're ready to go and they're good to go. So like <laughs> you, we want to blame, we want to blame people like the president of the United States, right. Uh, for the debauched withdrawal, but uh, on veterans day, this hurts, but I'm going to blame our, it's our military leaders who are risk averse and terrified to say the truth to their boss. Right. Like it also, you know, indicates that we have a terrible culture inside the military slash, you know, executive branch where you can't speak the truth because you'll get fired. Um, but then there's also just a courage, a lack of courage on our military leaders that are scared of getting fired, right? Like stand up and do the right thing for the right reason when no one's looking. It's called integrity. Mm -hmm. It's one of the right. first things, it's the most important leadership trait that we have um, that is pushed, shoved down your throat from when you're a private all the way up until you retire. Mm -hmm. And it's very much absent in uh, our senior military leaders. And I can say that now because I'm retired. I don't care. But I think, um, I think senior leadership in the Marine Corps, Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard um, is, has significant lack of ownership, um, mm -hmm. willingness to take responsibility, and integrity and that's it's like to say on this day but that, that's how joe feels you know what this moment. is the way to this is i say this is the day to say it because this is about veterans it's not about generals right it's it's not general's day it's not administration's day it's veterans day and the you know most of the veterans i know with very few exceptions 
are you know boots on the ground soldiers like you and like you know some of the marines from uh you know our our crazy marines you know series that we did and my buddy matt you know you guys are all it's not about the joint chiefs fuck the joint chiefs that as far as i'm concerned you know the day of the rank and file labor day is not about bosses right <laughs> it's not no it's about the rank and file and so yeah. i i think that anybody that says that this isn't the day for you to say it, I would argue it's exactly the opposite. This is the very day for you to say it. Well, Joe, it goes, it goes down to honor, courage and commitment straight up. I mean, like, and it's lacking in a lot of areas, you know what I mean? You know, you got the backbone of the military who has it right. But then you start getting higher and higher and higher and it starts kind of dwindling and going away and becomes more political and the honor and courage commitment goes out the fucking window. You know, it's, and it's not just in the military, I see it in law enforcement as well. You, you go to a thing called Comstat and it's like, Hey, this is what's fucked up in our, in our area. And this is what we need to work on. But they're like, nah, let's pen whip it. And it's the same shit that, that happens in the military as well. And the higher, the higher echelons are like, well, I don't want to have to explain that. I'd rather just have an easier time, you know, and, yeah, don't fix the problem just make and, me look good and kind of and and make like the after action reports kind of go with your own jive and your motive so that you're not getting fucking reamed whereas we should be having these tough conversations saying no this is what's wrong this is what's fucked up this is what needs to change and i think that that that's lost somewhere along the way and people are afraid to stand up and be like, Hey, no, this is what's fucked up. This is what needs to happen. And this is what needs to change. And this is how we implement it. And I just think too many people are scared and they're, they're just like, well, I just want to promote, you know, like I see that too often, especially in law enforcement because it's so much smaller and you can see that the whole picture a lot easier than, you know, a 250,000 strong, you know, Marine Corps or a fucking, 800,000 million strong army or whatever those actual numbers right. are, but they're up there. It comes down to an individual instead of like a number. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, there's some selfishness that, that uh, I mean, it's everywhere in, in our culture, right? It's like the military is no different. Um, but the problem is like, we preach that we are not right. So like uh, leaders eat last right. Um, right. servant mentality. Um, but the problem too, is like, it starts way up at the top. So I, if, if you're a Colonel and you say you speak out against a thing, you're screwed, like cash it in. And it shouldn't be that way. No, but it should be the like, thing. those are the, the ones higher you go. The, the, yeah. The higher you go, the less of a, cause now you're getting into royalty, bro. You're not, you're not, you're no longer the Knights of the realm. You're in, you're into the Lords, right? Let's face it. Like in a feudal structure, that's what we have, you know, and and when you're when you're doing the Lord's work out there as a as a as a knight, and then you go and tell the Lord, you know, hey, this is what the people want, and the Lord goes, yes, yes, I am on their side, and he goes to the king, and goes, fuck them, right? Like at the end of the day, he's still a Lord and he still serves the king, and the at the end of the day, you know, this is the same problem with administrators in the police department, when the fire department, in the military, at some point we all start making those jokes about the hardest part about getting promoted is the lobotomy and the removal of your fucking spine and the removal of your sack. Well, if there's a reason why we keep making those jokes, it's probably because, you know, That's truest true. words are spoken in jest and there's such an element of truth to it. It's such a universal truth that we all have to laugh about it. Cause if not, we'll freaking rage quit. 
Yeah. I got a question for you, Joe. Yeah, man. How many NCOs, how many hardcore devil dogs have you seen that will take ownership of their troops, of their of their younger Marines, the guys under their charge who fucked up? They're like, no, those are my Marines. Like, and they and they take that ownership. And later they fucking ream them. They're like, okay. Okay, asshole. Shit rolls downhill. You fucked up. I had to take ownership. I got my ass reamed. Now it's time for you guys to pay. And then they right. learn that way. How many of those NCOs have you seen do that? But yet they they're not getting promoted. And those are the ones who need to be promoted. Yeah, I think uh, I love this question. Um, in my experience, so if I'm going to my Afghanistan time, so when I was a young lieutenant, I couldn't have had better NCOs. And like, and this is, this is why I think I'm so hurt. Um, I had NCOs that would tell me as a second Lieutenant that I'm wrong, right? Like they would confront me and be like, no, we're not, no, we're not doing that. Um, and then they would tell me why, and then I would yell at them and then they would yell back and then I would take their advice. Right. Like they had, they had courage, um, and, and uh, it helps me, like, it gives me a good feeling, too, to know, like, at least they knew they could do that with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just the kind of person I was where it's like, like, I, these guys know way more than I know. They've been doing this job a lot longer than I have. I should probably listen to them, right? Like, um, but I think where in the NCO core, I think that exists still. I think where... Absolutely where we're hurting is the young officer core and most, well, let me back that up. I think it's the senior officer core because they're, they're breeding the culture of like, you make a mistake, you're done. Well, like how else are the hell are you supposed to learn in training? Right? Like you, you should fail. You should fail time. You should never succeed in training ever because if you succeed, like, but um, I see too many young officers not, humbling themselves enough to listen to their NCOs. I see too many senior officers uh, unwilling to accept risk and allow their junior officers to fail um, because everything has to be, we're hundred percent ready. Um, and as a result, you're seeing NCOs turn into senior NCOs or staff NCOs in the Marine Corps, as we call them, who model that same risk averseness that we see in the young officer side. So like, it's a problem that unsadly, like typically only serious warfare fixes, right? Like when you have to cut all the bullshit out and, and live in the field and like be a Spartan and that, that tends to be where things like that get ruled out real quick because well, the, the weak ones don't make it, you know what I mean? Um, but it's sad to me that we can't get there in training like without war so that we could be ready. It's just, um, well, I think, I, it's, I, it's, I, it's, I think we can, I think we can, but here's the thing. And this is where, you know, one of the smartest things anybody ever did was tell Japan after world war II, you guys can never have an army ever again. <laughs> because if you think about the Japanese ethos, and their level of servitude, that servant's heart that we were talking about, you know, in leadership, you know, that was a culture where everybody below you 
got a free pass for failure except you if you were the ceo if you were the general if you were if you were that guy you were going to disembowel yourself with a sword because there was with that much shame no man could go on and live among the men in society because he had brought too much shame upon himself and the only way out was death right like i okay maybe that's a bit extreme but you know what it does it really does create a culture where accountability at the highest level is literally life and death right and you have leadership that rules from its ivory tower that isn't afraid of anything except getting called in front of congress and you know being drummed out of the military but still being allowed to keep all their freaking money yeah or join the board of a a major yeah 100 percent yeah, the uh, it, what, there's so many things that that bother me. I can't. Yeah, well, that's why when like, you said this conversation was something you wanted to talk about, I was like, I was all for it because this the, the we've talked about this conversation so much on the show, but there's a lot of this comes down to exactly what you said, which is a complete <sighs> fucking failure of leadership. I yeah. just I just thought of failure. something real quick. The Marine Corps is is very tough. Your, our boot camp is tough. Our fleet is fucking tough. Our schools are tough. They're stressed. They're hard. You get treated like shit, right? Your 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 daily routine as a not necessarily just a boot, but as a non NCO and even as some NCOs is so tough on a day to day basis that it just breeds strong men who aren't afraid to speak their fucking mind. And then you look at someone that has like in different branches of service, and then you have some army dudes who are like. Those dudes are locked to fuck on. Doesn't matter where they've been. They have a hard unit, so it breeds tough men. And then you look at, you know, other softer sides of the military, like uh, parts of the Air Force or parts of the Army or parts of the Navy, where it's not really stressed. It's it's kind of lackadaisical. It's kind of easy. It's more like a job, right? Where it's just, uh, and you kind of just go with the flow, of right? The you kind of just go with the flow. Except the Marine Corps, the administrative. I've seen a lot of like locked on men and women, but um, everyone just eats shit in the Marine Corps, right? And I can only speak for the Marine Corps because I'm, I'm a Marine. Everyone eats shit. They eat the same shit. And yeah, some jobs might be more difficult than others, but the 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 building blocks are there from day one, and I believe it breeds hard men and women, right? Who aren't afraid to stand up for themselves, who aren't afraid to have a fucking voice. But then you have softer sides that are like, okay, well, we're going to do this. And they're like, okay. And then those people are the ones getting promoted and then just breeds weak leadership down the road. So I think if if the military really wants to unfuck itself, right? And you need to have those strong you know, generals and those strong admirals and those strong uh, high up their leadership on the officer side and even some on the, the, the NCO side, um in all branches of the service it needs to be hard from day fucking one you need to have those building blocks set in stone and set in place the moment we start lacking the moment we start becoming weak and and are like okay well our boots are just gonna be i don't want it to be too tough you know yada yada and you're kind of like pussyfooting around with them it breeds weakness and weakness is not something that we can have especially in the military and it 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 doesn't the, the more you grow, so you promote and you're just weak, 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 weak. And that's all that's been bred into you. Right. And you've been reborn and now you're just fucking weak as shit. You're not afraid. You're not, you're afraid to stand up for yourself and you don't have that backbone. Right. And this might be a hot take, might be controversial. I don't give a fuck, but you need to have hard times to create 
harder people, right? Men and women alike, because we're all in the military together. So if you have those hard fucking times, you're not going to be afraid to stand up to yourself. And you're not going to be, if you know you're right, you're not going to be afraid to stand up to someone who is who outranks you. I've fucking done it on the law enforcement side because I have seen it firsthand in patrol. You've done nothing but patrol. You've been eating shit. You've had hard areas to work. You've had hard cases. You've just been eating shit that whole time. And you're tactically sound, yada, yada, whatever. And when something comes down the pipe and say you have, you know, um, some weak leadership that comes in that's above you by two ranks or three ranks and they try to take over a scene, you're like, no, that's fucked up. We're not doing that. You're going to get people killed. And it goes back to what you were saying, Joe. Your younger uh, Marines were coming up to you, be like, "No, no, sir. Like that's no. We're not doing that. That's not right. We're not going to do this." And this is the reason why. And you're like, "That makes fucking sense." Okay. And there are those. They're strong leaders, and those are the ones that you want to call you on your shit, or to snap you out of it, or to be, to talk reason into you. And I think that's what we are lacking. And if we want to fix things, that's how it needs to go. We need to have hard times, hard training. Oh, we're gonna Everything have hard times. That's hard. for sure. We are headed for hard times. But I think what you're referring to, Chuck, a little bit is the the the, the warrior mentality from it's it's a it's a author Hoff. I think Hoff is his name. Anyway, I can't I can never pronounce it. But he said uh, you're talking about hard times create strong men, strong men yeah, create yeah, good times, that, yeah. good times. create. Yeah. And ultimately, though, I think and I I'm kind of spitballing with this. So roll with me a little bit here because I'm thinking about this as we're talking about it. Because I'm looking at, you know, what creates, you know, hard times create hard men, blah, 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 blah. Um, Joe, you guys both can speak from both police perspectives or military perspectives or or whatever. When you join the rank and file, if you want to promote, right, if you want to move up, if you want to go from being a PFC to a lance corporal, to a corporal, to to whatever, you, however, you know, in the army, you want to be a specialist corporal. What, like when you want to move up and you're the lowest of the low, you have to do what? You have to stand out, right? You have to be outstanding. You have to get the respect of your peers. You have to do your job. You have to show up. It, it's on you, right? To, to show yeah. that you want to promote. And then when you get to be that, it's again, you will be recognized by the higher ups for doing a great job. It's still that meritocracy, right? Where your hard work is going to get recognized. You're going to get that third stripe. You're going to, you know, get all these different things at some point, right? You, you reach a point where you have to have someone kind of mentoring you through the process, because like anything, like going to college and getting your degree, you have to have a mentor through the process. So when you're a sergeant, right, let's say you're, you're a sergeant looking to make your way up the, the enlisted, right? To the highest NCO rank, or let's say you want to become an officer. Who would you have to have helping you, right? Someone of the next rank up or above, right? So as a sergeant, you'd have a lieutenant helping you through the process, right? And the lieutenant would be like, I respect and admire that young man. And I'm a hardworking leader myself. At some point, you know, when you want to make it into major, when you want to make the person who has to mentor you into that position stops being a soldier. At some point, when you want to become what a colonel, well, who's mentoring people to become colonels, right? Generals, right? But if you want to become a general, who's mentoring generals? Well, politicians, right? So it's strange how, well, maybe it's not that strange. Maybe it's just very obvious that the higher up you go in the rank structure, both on the civilian law enforcement side and the military 
rank structure side, at some point, it's no longer your own merit that wins you the promotion. We we have to recognize that at some point you are going to need a mentor working for you to help you up the ladder. And then how you make your way up that ladder is going to depend on the mentor and what that person's done. So if you want to make general, well, yeah, then you're dealing with a bunch of politicians and guess what they're going to look for in their leadership. They're going to look for whatever's going to get them reelected. So if, if it really comes down to, that means for any military or police structure, when you get up into the higher echelons of brass, right? They're really at the women fancy of the politicians that put the generals in place. So I think that's just an overall weakness that's inherent in the system that would have to get addressed somehow and make it that, you know, politics can't interfere in our military structure, but I don't know how you do that. So I think it's a, I think there's you, all the points you made are accurate. I think there's a, um, there's a piece there that's left out and it's um, sadly, I want to say like when I came in, it was more prevalent. Um, But everything you just spelled out is pretty much how it goes. Now there's a few, it's a very small percentage that still see it this way. I think everyone will tell you, I I think, I think senior military members will tell you that they, they would agree with what I'm about to say. And that's how they should, that's how it is, but it's not. I'll tell you. Right. That's how it should be. And that's how yeah. they want it to be. But that's not the reality. And what that is, is if I am doing the leading thing the right way, which, by the way, like whether you're enlisted or an officer, you're a leader, you're which direction are you leading people is the question. Right. So uh, if you're leading the right way, you're quote unquote followers will model their behavior after you. Um, They will watch you and every little thing that you do, and they will start to adopt uh, what you do. And that, that is from, and I'm speaking military specifically here. Like they will, they will conduct themselves the way you conduct yourself uh, when they're off duty, as well as they are on duty. They will start to speak like you. That's a solid leadership principle. I think in everything. But to do that, you have to be extremely humble and they have to want uh, to follow you. And, and you're in this lead versus follow words um, are not good words because um, someone who uses the word like I'm going to lead and they are going to follow has already failed. Right. Like I am one of you. Let's collectively do this thing together. And let's assign tasks of like how to piece this thing together and, and get it done. And, and through that process, like people emerge as like the leader, but really anyone, if you're doing it right, anyone inside that group could step up and take that anyone else's job. Right. But um, it comes down to if you're the, the thing that you're leading, whether it's a platoon or a patrol or whatever it is um, does well, that speaks more volumes to you and your crew um, that will get you promoted anyway, right? Like, because you will be the guys, to, like, like my platoon was securing villages within our first month where they were like promising to join ISAF, you know, like all these, these young people will destroy them 
themselves to accomplish the thing that collectively the unit wants to accomplish. And I, I noticed I didn't say like that I wanted to accomplish. Like right, we right. as a group, we as a group take ownership in this solving this problem. We are going to, as a group, solve this problem. My role and responsibility is to get you what you need. Your role and responsibility is to go out and kill the bad guys. Yours is to go find the IEDs, you know, whatever it is. But as that that small unit performs well, um, that gets recognized by, you know, higher people, which if you're worth your salt as a leader, you don't give a shit about. You right. just want to accomplish the thing that you were given and be left alone to do it. But I think too many, le- and then you take that small tactical example and expand that through whether it's law enforcement, you know, fire, like any place where that requires strong leadership in crisis type situations. And you wind up with, um, you'd wind up with a well functioning organization that has a culture that would make Leonidas jealous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we just are missing that we, pr- we preach that a lot. Right. Missing the actual doing. Like when I was a major, I was someone's Marine still, right? Like I'm a mid-grade senior, you know, um, staff officer. What, what it felt like was like, okay, you've, you're, you've been in for so long. You don't need that mentor that you were talking about. Right. Like right. you like we're hands off, which is good. It's a good feeling. Like be hands off, but like, who's got my back when I stand up to the Colonel? Right. Well, no one because it's on you now. Right. It's just like, um, that, that thing I described happens down at the tactical level, but it doesn't happen much in my experience at the, you know, operational strategic level, even though talking heads will tell you that it does because and evidence is our withdrawal from Afghanistan. Like if mm-hmm. you'd have let a tactical plan that you'd have had more people on the ground, you wouldn't add a bunch of people clinging on the airplanes as they take off. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> You wouldn't have it, armed ISIS and yeah, terrorists I mean, and left all of our shit. Although I have been now, enjoying the videos of them trying to fly uh, billion-dollar helicopters and crashing them. That has now it, it's funny as shit. Yeah. Now you've it's given like, first back. world arms to a co- country who's just evil. Not the whole country's not evil, but like the ones who are the most vocal are and the most dangerous are very, well, okay. very, very evil. And now they're armed. So to let's teeth. call a spade a spade, right? Like if somebody invaded our country and they said, you guys have a race problem, we're invading downtown Los Angeles. Right. And all of a sudden they were there protecting, you know, who they felt was the victim of, you know, racial hatred was these, this criminal element in, in that, you know, these terrible oppressive cops, we believe they're shooting these poor criminals. And then they realize they're like, oh, no, these criminals kind of aren't worth protecting. All right, we're going to leave now. And they peace out, but they leave a bunch of military hardware behind. And guess who has to deal with now a bunch of dirt bags with military hardware is the good people of Los Angeles who were, you know, following the rules to begin with. And this, that's what that's what we have. Right. It's let's dump a bunch of military hardware. Who's going to pick it up? The farmer in, in Afghanistan who wasn't didn't want to fight in the first place. No, it's going to be Taliban. Who's like, ah, cool. We have all these weapons and now we can oppress people more efficiently. So let's not forget also too, that when we originally went to Afghanistan in 2001, we went to overthrow the Taliban government, right? right? Like, right. Right. (laughs) And now we're saying, here you go. Just kidding. Yeah. We got you a gift. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, you guys, it's been, we put you in the penalty box for 20 years. You learned your lesson, right? Okay, we can go now. Yeah. No, Meanwhile, bullshit. I've got others and wives uh, without husbands. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a and fucked situation. Where I struggle at is like, n- none of them have asked me, like, we, we haven't had these conversations. I fear the day that these conversations come up because I don't know how to answer. Like, I, I think I would answer it fine, but like, deep in my heart, like, what was it for? You know, like, but see, you like, don't want to tell them that. Yeah, I, I would not. But like, if just us here and all yeah. your listeners, right? It's like, because I'm assuming a, a lot of these feelings are, you know, uh, translate universal. well across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're universal. They probably translate well across, like, if you've lost your partner for some crazy, stupid decision made by someone else, right? Like, um, it hurts me. And I don't know how to look this mother in the eyes and say, um, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like he saved, he saved, you know, three of our other guys, but like the next question would be like, yeah, but why were they in danger in the first place? Exactly. And that hurt. And then it's like, and then I start, you know, like I, then I start really, uh, spiraling and thinking Uh about, you know, like, okay, well, what about the bad guys quote unquote that I, that we killed? Um, right. And like, what about their kid? Like their kid also that that young man or girl doesn't have a father or older brother now because of us. And because of the reason you like, you can see how these, these thoughts just like go through and it does. It's, I feel morally damaged. I mean, like I, I, I'm just being honest. Like I, I've been told like, ah, you shouldn't feel that way. That's great. Well, I do. And I do. And it, and I do because of what I was exposed to on how that went down. So like if, if everything that we believe uh, as far as the withdrawal in Afghanistan goes is inaccurate or I'm thinking about it the wrong way or wasn't educated well enough on it, then shame on the, on the American information um, like world, right? Because, oh, yeah. because they own, they are responsible for like, what am I to do? Like if I want to find out about, what's going on in the world. I have to watch three or four different news outlets because they all say the opposite shit. Right. Um, and as there's no way, integrity in the news, everybody wants to feed you their opinion and agenda. So how else are we supposed to like form opinions on current events? And like, it takes, uh, it takes ownership and time. And where do you even get information? Where do you even start to get information? Um, we, we just addressed that very, very topic on the last episode of the locker room with the pandemic amnesty and the people trying to say, Hey, we didn't know bullshit, bullshit. You know, somebody knew. And yeah. the problem is, is that once you lose the trust, the, whether it's the CDC or whether it's the United States Marine Corps or whether it's the Pentagon or whoever it is, once you lose the trust of the people that are putting their asses on the line or are supposed to like, ultimately you know, the pitchforks and the torches can come out at any time and we can overpower you, right? That's kind of the general idea behind a a democracy. And, you know, so when you're talking about these, these government agencies, their stock and trade is trust, the trust of the people that give them the authority over them and will comply, right? If we, if we say that the, the legal limit to drive, you know, with alcohol in your system is 0.08. 
It means that we believe that there is scientific evidence that shows that 0.08 is a blood alcohol level where you are presumably intoxicated. And we've all agreed to that law. And we can all make peace with it. But if that if those things turn out not to be the case, then we start to question everything. OK, time out. What else did you lie about? It was it's the same. And you look at I, I, I watched the withdrawal and I was, you know, saw the images and I could help but think of the fall of Saigon. Right. I've studied enough. Yeah, of, it, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it was so sickeningly similar to the fall of Saigon. And somehow, as terrible as it sounds, I feel like the fall of Saigon was handled better. Yeah, I, I you bring up another <laughs> another sensitive topic, which is like, we should all be students of history. Yes. Um, I get shoved books down my throat when you're in the military. It's like, read this, read that, read this, read that. And all these books are great because I'm I know because I've read them all and things that are captured in pages are not captured in the media. Like reading is essential. Yep. Why aren't we reading the books? Why aren't our leaders reading the books that they're telling us we need to read? Yeah. They would so much would be solved. It's so yeah. frustrating to me. Like, and I go back to even my, my time in Afghanistan on, on a ta- in tactical gunfights. Like I had read enough to know that I will be experiencing this and that, and this is a this is a way these ninety other people have handled it in the past. This will help us, and so right. we would do that. But like uh, seeing mistakes from Vietnam in Afghanistan, oh yeah, right. blows my mind, and like inf- it infuriates me. But well, it goes down you to said, if you don't know history, you're doomed, you're doomed to repeat, repeat it. it. Yeah, but when you said that it made you question how you even felt about everything you did over there and why you were over there to begin with. It made my heart go out to all the Vietnam veterans that we saw stories of growing up, you know, whether it was through television or books or, or, you know, pop culture or whatever it was that were telling us the stories of these broken soldiers, these men who came home and for decades after Vietnam questioned, why were we even there to begin with? What was I doing? Was it, was what I did right and the, the, it's not because they think they're evil. It's not because they think they they're they're wrong. It's that because they look at they look at the facts in hindsight and they look at how the country that promised them, you know, X, Y and Z treated it. And at the end of the day, you know, when things like Hamburger Hill will take this hill at the cost of everything. And then when you get up there, you're there for three days and they go, eh, eh fuck it, leave it. Let's just go somewhere else. You know, those kinds of things take their toll. And you're like, time out, time out. I trusted you. And I don't think you know what you're doing. (laughs) I think uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because we, we went through, we're going through, you know, uh, I don't think it's good to compare Vietnam and Afghanistan in terms of like, uh, they, they had it way worse. Right. But the Vietnam veteran community has been, the number one supporter of the Afghanistan war veteran community. Like they're like, mm-hmm. bro, we've we seen this it. before. Listen to what I have to say. And like, <clears throat> we're seeing it. Um, we're seeing like, there are some similarities and what we're seeing There's is so many on, similarities on their own initiative. The Vietnam veteran community are lifting up the Afghan vets. And it's amazing to see it too. Yeah, and I can't like on Veterans Day. I can't thank a better right. another population of people for what they've done for 
my guys and myself. And I would just encourage them that are out there listening, like, please continue to be vocal because we're like, like Chuck just said, like, you know, if, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. Like help us not, you know, yeah. go through. And as, as uh, I, this may sound trite, but you know, and far be it for me. I'm never, I'm never the silver lining guy, you know? Um, but for the guys that did serve in Vietnam and had, you know, problems with it, maybe now as you see these things re recurring, um, it's a second chance for service, right? It's a chance to serve these other veterans and take that pain that you've been living with for decades of questioning and use it to lead this younger generation of soldiers away from the self-destructive traps that you guys found when you got home. You know, yeah. it's, it is a second, it's a second, you know, first was service to your country. Now it's service to your fellow veterans, but it is, it is a new way for you guys to make sense of the pain that you went through and use it for good. So, yeah. Well, I think that's a probably we're over time and I'm, I could keep, I could just could keep going, uh, <laughs> but that's probably a good place to leave it. Joe, do you have any, Final thoughts. We we still, you know, we were we keep talking about like, hey, we're going to talk about Joe's other stories from Afghanistan, and we always find these other great topics to talk about. So we will we'll definitely have you back. But uh, anything we you wanted to like say, Major Joe Patterson memoir series where yeah, right? it's like a fucking ten parter. <laughs> we tell his life from day one, and I, I'm I'm dead serious about this because I think this would be something fucking great, and we could offer, you know the beginning of it like as as a free and then the next thing is like a subscription-based deal if you want to hear the rest mm. but like <laughs> honestly like people like this if their like stories are not, are not like transcribed down into history somewhere where you can listen right. to it you know it it's just like it, it it just disappears and these are some of the stories and things that we need to hear and a lot of them are tough and a lot of them are uplifting a lot of them are funny a lot of them are stark realities that we need to face and I I'd be I'd be honored to do it, and I know you would. And I, but you ever see the Ken Burns documentary on the Civil War? Great. You have a lot of good stories. They, no, it, it like like a hundred years from now, there's going to be a documentary about Afghanistan, and it's going to be nothing but podcast clips instead of people reading <laughs> letters from soldiers. It's going to be so well talked about. It's hilarious. Anyway, Joe, what did you your your closing thoughts on this Veterans Day? Yeah, I I think like. You know, brought up a lot of touchy topics, but like I serve my Marine, I serve them still. Uh, and if you know anything I said ruffled anybody's feathers, it's out there. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> I'm here to be. I'm a patriot. I swore to protect and defend the Constitution. I will continue to do that um, against all enemies. But, yeah, a foreign and domestic, and I I would continue to do that. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm doing by voicing some of these things, which is like, I'm not happy with the state of leadership um, that persists within our government and, and, and the military. I think we can do better. And I think we have to do better as we prepare for a future fight. If we don't, we're going to learn some hard lessons really fast um, in that future fight. And it'll be America's treasure that pays the price. And I think there's probably no better topic on Veterans Day than to just remember that um, we have to do better, especially in the leadership positions, like the privates and PFCs and 
you know, uh, lieutenants that are there right now, they will be the colonels in our next war. And so mm-hmm. I hope they're studying, I hope they're reading, I hope they're learning from these um, things that we all talk about. And, uh, and I, I can't thank you guys enough for giving me a platform to say that stuff. So thank you. It's scary to think that the next uh, Mad Dog Mattis, who considers himself a warrior monk, will be potentially quoting something he heard one of us idiots say on this fucking podcast. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. Oh, on, uh, that's a that's a humbling, humbling, humbling thought, um, and makes me want to take this a lot more seriously. But I know I won't. <laughs> Chuck, the shirts, uh, by the way, I'm wearing one right now. Can't see it because it's cold here in Idaho. And dude, it's it's literally like 24 degrees. So I'm wearing a hoodie over my brand new War Stories shirt. But uh, they came out awesome. The, the uh, design's cool. So much so that Chuck and I are already talking about working on a second design. And I just had a thought. You guys tell me what you think. Maybe our listeners can tell me what you think. The, the the slogan or the phrase for our next shirt that's going to appear on it, because this one's an FAFO shirt, should be either against all enemies, period. Like that just says against all enemies or a shirt that just says foreign and domestic and we'll have beers. <laughs> I dig. So we'll have to figure out what uh, some of those ideas are. Chuck, take us yeah. out. Okay, well, um, first I'm going to do a dedication. This dedication is going to go out to all the uh, <clears throat> veterans out there. Um, thank you all for your service. Uh, today is, ve- is Veterans Day as we're recording this, and thank you all for your service. Without you, um, freedom would not be fucking possible. Uh, Major Joe Patterson, thank you so much, because without without hard leadership like you and without good leadership like you, we'd be fucked and um, you make freedom possible. So thank you for that. Thank you all those who are currently serving. Thank you all those who have served and a dedication to all those who have lost their lives and the pursuit of freedom. Um, we thank you. Um, Both here and abroad. Yeah. And it just, freedom wouldn't be possible without it. Yep. And um, as for, for everything else, um, we're going to be uh, coming up with some cool designs. The shirts are um, doing going well. to be, a, yeah. The shirts better are doing get really yours. Well. Better get yours now. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. They're going to be done soon. Um, we're going to be doing some cool designs, and uh, there's going to be a, a cool little sticker pack um, that I want to do. Um, and I know Tom wants to. I've talked to him about it. Um, of some of these cool fucking designs, and the ones that gain the most fucking traction are the ones that we're going to be throwing on some shirts, and uh, it, there are going to be one offs. So if it comes out. That's the only time it's going to come out unless we make it onto a shirt. So when it comes out, you'd be remiss if you didn't buy it. Um, did we did we show you the um, the shirt there, Joe? Yeah, yeah I sent it to him. Yep, we yeah. did. He sent it to you. Okay. Pretty, yeah. Pretty yeah. Thank you all today for listening. If you like today's podcast, please go and follow us on our Instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our Facebook at war stories podcast. If you're already if you already follow us and share our posts and our info, you can also go to the link in our bio on Instagram and Facebook to reach all of our socials, our media, and our website. Our podcast is on all major podcast streaming platforms as well as on our YouTube. If you want to support us, please go to our website at www.warstoriesofficial.com and grab some gear. Um, we have a bunch of stuff available still, uh, but it's in short quant- small quantities. Um, and if you want to be featured on our show, 
If you think you have a story or want to share your story, please go to booking.warstories at gmail.com. Again, that's booking.warstories at gmail.com and send me your info and I can get you booked. Um, we are looking for law enforcement corrections, dispatchers, fire, medic, and veterans um, and current active duty military. Um, if you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, let them know about us. Give them our booking email um, and then just give them a quick heads up or talk to them about us first so it's not like we're not doing a cold call and they're like, who are you? Mm -hmm. Right? Or they don't answer (laughs) our shit. Um, Again, thank you for the support. Stay safe. And when we come out with those new designs, um, there's going to be a poll. uh, We're going to try to do one on the website as well as on Instagram, Facebook, and try to take the totality of that and then create a couple of shirts or one shirt or um, a cool design, you know, and we're going to go with the one that gains the most traction. And then there'll be that sticker pack. that will be a limited quantity. And it could be the only time that design ever comes out. And um, so we we want to bring these these cool things to you. We want we want to you know um, bring the warrior mindset, the fucking the culture of law enforcement, of military, of all that shit to you to wear. Mm-hmm. So if you think of something cool and you're like, hey, I got a great fucking idea. This would be good for a shirt or good for a sticker, or good just for a fucking logo, please send it in, send it to booking, send it to the mailbag, go to link in our bio, send it there. If you send it into the DMS, it can get lost. And I don't want it to get lost because if you spend that much time working on it, right. And you want to show it to us, please send it to an email. It's easier stored that way. Um, so the mailbag one for war stories or the booking one, uh, for war stories, send it to either one of those Link is in the bio on Facebook and Instagram. If you don't have one, Fucking go get one um, just for, for war stories. Doesn't matter. Just create one. You can have a fake name, whatever, but get one so that you can give us the info. If you forget our email um, and then you can always go to the website uh, and talk to us there and send us, you can send the logos there. Like, Hey, this is a great idea. I have this fucking whatever and send it there. And then, Hey, if you're one of the lucky ones, it may be a shirt and you can be like, Wow. I fucking did that. So it's cool ownership and let's let's all take ownership of this podcast because without you, this shit isn't possible. And without all of you, these stories can't get heard and can't be talked about. And this is what's going to encapsulate our history. Because as Tom said, there's going to be some motherfucker quoting us from a podcast he heard <laughs> down the road. Not. And this is the way that this happens. We need to encapsulate the history that that because there's not going to be enough books written about this shit so we need mm-hmm. to encapsulate this history so please because well, be nobody fucking reads ownership no one fucking reads no one fucking reads <laughs> anyway audiobooks hopefully they'll figure out why reading is so important later but until then <laughs> until then i want to again thank major joe patterson for coming on the show we love having you yes, and thank you. until our next episode happy veterans day and come home with your shield or on it <laughs>